1: So so did the landlord. The scene was so crazy, wasn't it? Both were so glad to watch me destroy what I had. Pain sure brings out the best in people, doesn't it? Why didn't you just leave me if you didn't want to stay? Why'd you have to treat me so bad? Did it have to be that way? Now you stand here expecting me to remember something you forgot to say. Yes, and you, I see you're still with her, well... That's fine, because he's coming on so strange, can't you tell? Somebody had better explain. She's got her iron chain. I'd do it, but I, I just can't remember how. You talk to her. She's your lover now. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, One Song at a Time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us once again is my pal musician, Dave Woodcock. Hi, Dave. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming back. I, you know, I've, I've talked about it on other episodes. I love talking to musicians because, like that, the musicianship part of of Dylan is something I can appreciate, but I can't speak to it very well. So I love having musicians on because you guys, you you know, you guys have a, a different angle on it than, than than I can bring to it, and I really appreciate that. And this song, uh, this song is so unique in that it it's so close to a masterpiece and yet it remains unfinished <laughs> that is uh, she's your lover now which was recorded as part of the Blonde on Blonde sessions and it basically stayed in the vault uh, for something like 30 years until one version of it got released on the original bootleg series volumes 1 through 3 in 1991 uh, it's a remarkable song and it's something that Bob Dylan persevered with there are nine there were 19 takes Of this song, which is very unusual Bob never did 19 takes of anything And yet it still (laughs) remained unfinished Which seems unbelievable So like Dave, why did you want to talk about this Kind of obscure song?
0: Well, last time we spoke, uh, we did uh, Black Diamond Bay uh, right? And the reasoning I gave Behind that was because I think it was A song that doesn't have a great deal Of uh, uh, attention paid to it You know, in in regards Of of just how good it is Uh, And this particular song, I think Is similar to to that in that regard it was one of the songs that got me interested in kind of finding out about like the uh, the, the shadow world of bob dylan's recordings <laughs> the, the bootlegs and the outtakes Um paul williams book performing artists which which we talked about last time um he mentions it in uh in his book specifically the solo piano version of the song uh as the song that got him interested in uh kind of discovering uh the, the 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 songs that didn't get released uh i've got paul williams book in front of me now uh, and if you'll oblige me uh he can describe i think why this song is uh is so great uh better than i can uh he says in the in his book performing artist if i had to choose a single performance to stand as evidence of dylan's greatness as an artist one momentary breath of song to define his essence and defend his stature She's your lover now solo at piano would be the one uh, and i think that sums it up for me as well
1: <laughs> wow that's interesting i don't think i i've read a lot of uh, a lot of his books and boy i, I miss him Tremendously. I thought yes, he was yeah. really one of my favorite people to read about uh, when it came to, to Bob Dylan. But that's interesting. Yeah, there is a solo piano version of this. It was later released on yet another uh, bootleg edition where it is just Bob uh, by himself. Now, what do, you, what do you think about this version as compared to the one that uh, is on, was originally released on the bootlegs, which is the one I'm the most familiar with where you've got the band backing behind yeah. backing him? Um,
0: I would I would say on, on on kind of a given day I would I would say it's my favorite Dylan vocal performance of all time. Wow! Uh, when I eventually tracked it down after reading the Paul Williams book, I had it on a CD called Thin Wild Mercury Music, which was outtakes from Highway and Blonde on Blonde, and even under. You know, fifteen layers of distortion and hiss and a <laughs> crackle and uh sounded like it'd been recorded underwater. It was spectacular. So when that deluxe edition of the uh, of Cutting Edge finally came out, the one thing I had my fingers crossed for was a clean recording of that performance, and it's there, and it's just spectacular. And it's you were saying that it no, it, you know, he never completed the song and that's correct you know they recorded it 19 times in the studio uh the 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 takes with the band never got there uh but that solo piano performance is complete he gets to it from beginning to end that's
1: true i'm sorry yeah i didn't mean Uh, to misspeak but yeah you're right the the whole song is done when it's just bob by himself
0: yeah so i mean that's that's my favorite version of the song and you know i think it's great and and weirdly enough i I always assumed that that was him just demoing the track for the band in the studio and it wasn't till the the box set came out that uh i realized that's actually the last take that they did almost like But the band couldn't get it. You know, you hear Dylan on those takes, uh, on those 19 takes at the end of, you know, towards the end, just going, I just can't get this. (laughs) I I just don't understand this song anymore. And then uh, evidently he sat down at the piano and just went, you know what, I'm just going to try and get this down beginning to end. Uh, Maybe for posterity, maybe for his publishing company, just so he got Mm. You know that they got the word, all the lyrics and the music, and maybe so he could take it to Nashville with him because they recorded in uh, New York uh, to possibly record it there with the with the you know with the other crew with the new crew of musicians. But yeah, that that solo piano version is a, it is a masterpiece.
1: It's kind of funny too because that that the solo piano one, in terms of his vocal performance, it's very. Serious, you know. It sounds like it's really kind of ripped out of his out of his soul a little bit, it's, and yet the, it's
0: brutal, right? It's really brutal. And yet yeah. this
1: song is very funny. I mean this yeah. this this song. I mean, I, I've got to I keep. I have tend to repeat myself, but I mean, I'm a, I'm 110 episodes in. It's going to happen. But I mean, I have I have that that quote where George Harrison says, you know, everybody says Bob Dylan is so serious when actually he's quite the joker. And yeah. you know, this song to me is features one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Uh, Bob sing, and it's in the um, the second verse where he says he says I already assumed that, and these are very long verses. It's funny. Mm -hmm. There's there's only really four verses, but they're very long. He says I already assumed that we're in the felony room, but I, the judge, you don't have to be nice to me, but please tell that to your friend in the cowboy hat. (laughs) You know he keeps on saying everything twice to me. I love that series of lines because it's like, I think we all, maybe we all can relate to where, you know, we've met someone from our previous life and now they're dating someone else and you're like, really? That guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like what the hell? And the idea that, first of all, your friend, just calling him the friend is so dismissive. Yeah. Your friend in the yeah. cowboy hat, which suggests a certain kind of, you know, uh, uh, way of carrying himself. And then, the, you know, he keeps on saying everything twice to me, which is, oh, my, there's this this world of hurt and yet such utter like disdain for this guy I just yeah. that line is so funny and yet like you said the piano, the solo piano version is so serious and it, it's just kind of unbelievable that he can mix and match that because it's you know the, the band version is, is very comical and yet he's got this other version that's not comical at all
0: yeah, he's so disdainful of the guy in the song. It's it's <laughs> it is fu- it is funny. I think it's even funny on the solo piano version. Just how angry he is.
1: It's, it's more guy. pissed off. It's definitely more like, oh my god, yeah. It's it's really really. And it's in, like a lot of Bob songs where there's a triad going on, and there's so many songs where the triad is, is implicit, where it's tangled up in blue or whatever. But, I mean, he keeps switching back and forth. After he says that line about twice, and he says, you know, I was straight with you. You never tried to change you in any way. You know, if you didn't want to be with me, you didn't have to stay. And I love the way he kind of drags that out. Where he says, you didn't have to stay.
0: And yeah. then the next line is... Well, it's, um, yeah you're saying that you forgive and forget. Well, you know, what do you want me to say? Yeah. It's just, and he, you know, the disdain he has for the the guys funny. because later in that verse, he's talking about how he's, he just sits around and asks for ashtrays. Like, can't you reach? He's <laughs> uh, just like this guy in the cowboy hat who's, you know, he won't say anything to him except, you know, just sit and ask him to pass an ashtray. He's just, <laughs> it's such a great, you know, portrait of this, uh, Uh, of this kind of, um, kind of three-way love affair that they've got going on.
1: Yeah, and this guy's such a twit, you know? I mean he just yeah. can't believe it. He's I see you kiss her on the cheek. And then right, he switches over. He says I see you kiss her on the cheek every time she gives a speech with her pic with her picture books of the pyramid and her postcards of Billy the Kid. Why must everybody bow? You better talk to her about it. You're her lover now. And again I love it yeah. when he says that you're her lover now. Like, he's just just <laughs> dripping with contempt for this guy. Yeah. I absolutely love it. and Forgive me the 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 one, why my brain makes these associations, but it does. Is um, I don't know. Have you ever seen the film uh, The Godfather Part Two?
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorites.
1: Okay, right, great, perfect. Okay, so there's that opening scene, you know, where all the family is getting together, and then we're we're, we're everybody's wondering where. Um, Telly Shire's character is where Connie is and we find yeah. out that in between the first film and the second film Connie uh, now that her husband Carlo was killed in the first film has become this kind of real flibbertigibbet, to gibbet and she sort of disappears for weeks at a time and leaves her kids back at the compound <laughs> and she shows up with this new guy named guy. Merle <laughs> right with Merle and Merle totally does not fit in the world of the Corleones and there's this moment where she introduces this guy to her mother and says, that basically, we're engaged. We're going to be married. And this guy, Merle, says, hello, mama. And you clearly are not supposed to call her. Like, he's, he's way too familiar with this woman that he has just met. And even though they don't comment on it, that scene, to me, is always like it's so filled with tension because you know this guy isn't getting it. Like he's yeah. way, way, way too familiar with this family that he just has not earned yet. And that's what I think about when I hear this second verse, because this guy is sitting around with Bob Dylan, presumably the character of Bob Dylan in the song at least, and that line about, you know, you sit around and ask for ashtrays, can't you reach? And you're like, get up and get your own goddamn ashtray, buddy. What are you asking Bob Dylan to get you an ashtray for, you jerk? You know? That's so fantastic. for some reason that's I, what I think about.
0: I hadn't I hadn't made that connection, but that is definitely uh that's definitely accurate. That's great. I thought what you were going to say is that um, uh, later in the song, when she's <laughs> starts to get up on the bar and she's, uh, um, was it, she'll be standing on a bar soon with a fish head and a harpoon. Uh, so, you know, the, the woman in the story is obviously, you know, gotten quite drunk and is dancing around at the bar. I thought you were going to equate that with Fredo's wife, who's ah! completely <laughs> p- pissed up at the, at the wedding. <laughs> so I think... The underlying message of this song is actually, uh, you know, she's your problem now, Mm -hmm. not she's your lover now.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got to deal with her, buddy. Yeah, so (laughs) in the, the third verse, he says, oh, everybody that cares is going up the castle stairs, but not up in your castle, honey. Which I love the double entendre. I'm not up in your castle, honey. Uh, It's true. I just can't recall San Francisco at all. I can't even remember El Paso, honey. You never had to be faithful. I never didn't want you to grieve. Oh, why was it so hard for you? If you didn't want to be with me just to leave. Now you stand here while your fingers are going up my sleeve, which again, I love that. I love that the girl is maybe regretting. You know, this
0: She's coming on to Bob in front of the new guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, And what do you what just and you what do you just do anyway? Ain't there nothing you can say? She'll be standing on the bar soon with a fish head and a harpoon and a fake beard, fake beard, pressing on her brow. You better do something quick. She's your lover now. Again, I love the constant change back and forth to who he's speaking to and. You know, I like that the girl is kind of maybe, you know, like she's trying to play both ends against the middle here. I like that, too. Yeah. And he's just realizing, no, 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 this is I, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. It's it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. You can see he's in the bar. There's the new guy and the old flame. She's now drunk. Uh, her fingers going up his sleeve. And then she's on the bar. <laughs> and he says, you better do something quick. She's your lover now. Like I'm not going to do anything. Yeah, it's your bro. Yeah,
1: you deal you know, with it, buddy. Now, uh, in terms of the the band version versus the solo version, I mean, what is it about the solo version that you prefer over the? Is it just the vocal? Before? Is it the 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 starkness of it? I mean, what? It's how, so na-
0: it's just so nakedly, you know, honest, brutal. I you know, it's it's just extremely powerful. I, I've, I find it extremely powerful. Uh, the the anger in it. Uh, and the, the kind of sadness as well, there's there's a lot of sadness in this song. I think unlike maybe something like like A Rolling Stone or Positively Ford Street, those songs that are very vitriolic and he's kind of turning his, you know, his laser eye on some poor unfortunate, <laughs> uh, um, this is actually, there's some hurt in this. Uh, like uh, I quite to, sooner or later, one of us must know mm. Where there's actually some you know, he's he's angry about how it's how it's all turned out, but there's there's regret there and he is he's kind of upset about how it's happened. Um and that really comes across in the in the piano version. And all all the all the band versions are great in their own way, but they never get it you know, they just don't click. It's not I think it's not the right circumstance. Uh, the band don't really have it down. Dylan maybe doesn't know what he's reaching for, but once he sits at the piano and just plays the song, presumably how he just wrote it, it's just there. It opens up to him, um, and because he doesn't have to rely on a backbeat and a bassist and you know everybody else, he can uh, you know change up the tempo, play around with the length of the lines. It's it's just a, it's a it's a great um, portrait of just what a, a superb performer he is. I think.
1: Now, when you say the band doesn't really have it down, I mean, what exactly does that mean to you in in, in this context? Like, what does that Um, mean?
0: Okay, so if you imagine they do 19 takes, so they spend (laughs) um, uh, they spend an entire day doing this song in the studio in New York. Um, So obviously he's going for something because it's Dylan. And usually if it didn't go right by take two, he'd go, fuck it, let's move on to something else. But here he's obviously striving. So he knows he's got a great song um so he's pushing the band through these you know multiple takes and they never finish it you know they never complete the song all the way through they always mess up at some point or you know something happens and they're just feeling their way through it as they go so like take one you know the drums are all over the place and you know you know take two falls down because you know, uh, the multitude reasons, all these, all these takes just, and so they don't quite understand what the song is. I think, um, you know, and how to, how to play it There's one, there's a descending, um, chord progression, which is the dun, 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 going up my sleeve. But, and they just don't get that bit right. Uh, on any of the takes, really, they always, they always mess it up. So when Dylan's just sitting at the piano doing it, he can do what he wants. Um so, as i say the the song kind of just opens up to him, and he can he can he can play it from beginning to end and If you listen to that solo piano take, it's great because it opens with Dylan just humming the mm, melody right right of of that descending bass line so that he's got it in his head that when he comes to play that bit he can you know he's got it right I want- it, 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 it makes sense in context that you when we now know that that's the last thing that he records the last version of it that he records. Um, that they've spent all day trying to do it, and they've never been able to get that bit of the song right. That he starts out with that before he goes into the song.
1: I have to assume that your 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 assumption is correct that he was that if, if the last version he did was that solo piano one, that he can't possibly have really thought that was going to go on the record because that would have really stuck out. I mean not that he hasn't done it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not that he hasn't done that on other records. I mean, you know, Empire Burlesque is a bunch of, you know, drum kits and you know back <laughs> and 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 then all of a sudden you've got this acoustic song at the very end. So I mean, it's it's yeah. it's stuff or Planet Waves is very similar. But I mean, I just yeah. can't I can't picture where the solo piano version of this song would have fit in on Blonde on Blind. Like I just can't. can't, Sonically, uh, I can't imagine.
0: As I said, for years I just assumed it was his demo. Right. So he walks into the studio, he plays it to the band, says, this is what it is, let's go and play it. Um, But in actual fact, it's him, I think, just going, let me just get this down from beginning to end, so we've got a a version on tape that we can then uh, either give to the publishing company or we can listen to in Nashville, when we go when we go and record uh, uh, in Nashville, but obviously he never comes back to it. Uh, I, I have to presume it's because he's writing constantly in Nashville. So you know he's um, you know it's not it's not unlike Bob just to give up on a you know, on a masterpiece. Uh, <laughs> and, you know I, I always think that Bill Hicks line. You know the the, the ability to shit Mona Lisa's on cue. You know just. <laughs> He's, you know, he's written a masterpiece. If I'd written that, I would, you know, put down the pen and go, well, that's about as good as it's ever going to get. <laughs> but obviously Dylan thinks, "Yeah, I wrote it once. You know, I'll write another masterpiece tomorrow. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I have to uh, make room for visions of Johanna tomorrow. Yeah, like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Blonde on Blonde is such a curious record in that there's, it, we all know that, you know, that he recorded it not that long, uh, right after he got married to Sarah Lowndes. And so you would think that that would be him at at kind of his probably happiest in terms of his personal relationship. And yet so many of those songs on that record are about the pain of an ended relationship and the sort of, you know, uh, morning after, the night before, kind of things. It's sort of funny. Yeah. I mean, it's so there's so much of that in the the themes, and yet you know, presumably was things were good th- at the time.
0: Yeah, I always, I mean, I always pictured the song being about um, you know one of these um, um, Edie Sedgwick or yeah, Nico right. or Joan Byers or you know one you know one of these uh, famous affairs that he'd had. But I mean, speaking uh, for myself, you know, I'm not I'm not Bob Dylan. Let's just. <laughs> Let's, well, I don't care what you say. I'm I'm, I'm not Bob Dylan, but uh, uh, as a songwriter myself, um, those kind of emotions are easy to tap into when you want to write a song. Right, I think it's much. E- you know the reason that this song is much better than New Morning uh, <laughs> is because he's very happy in New Morning. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so if you can kind of tap into those emotions, uh, uh, I think it opens a, you know, a well of, uh, you know, um, emotion and you know creativity—that's perhaps not there if all you're thinking about is uh, trout fishing and uh, you know living the good life in the country.
1: <laughs> right. You may not want to hear how content someone is if you yourself are not content. You know that <laughs> might be kind of like irritating, but you can always hear somebody getting pissed at somebody else because who can't experience that? Everybody's
0: yeah, feeling true.
1: that at some point. Uh, the, on the now, if you go to dot Com, the lyrics end. Uh, with the fish head and the harpoon. But of course, the song keeps going at that point. And you, I actually literally just listened to the song and transcribed the words in the final verse because it's the final verse on the Bootleg Series version that breaks down. And uh, he he continues on. He says, I must have fallen to the sadness and what looked like Charles Atlas. Do yeah. you think I still got what you still got, baby? And now he comes to this point. He says, my voice is really warm. It's just that it got no form. Which is probably the best self-description of his vocal style as I've ever heard. A-
0: absolutely right. That's uh, that's what I've always said. It's the uh, not only best self-description, but I think the best description of Dylan's voice <laughs> that that there is. And uh, it, on I, on any of the versions that get to this um, verse, but specifically the the piano version, this might be why I love it so much. Actually. Um, My voice is really warm. It's just, it ain't got no form. It's just like a dead man's last pistol shot, baby, (laughs) which is genius for a start. But the way that he sings that on the solo piano version sounds like a pistol shot. The way he hits the P in pistol, it just rings out, and it's just... Uh, you know, I'm I'm getting chills even talking about it. It's <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. Yeah.
1: I remember John Hammond, his early his first producer, said that he was really bothered by the first, when he brought Bob in for the first time because he said he was so unformed and he said he popped every p and hissed uh, yeah. hissed every yeah. s. And I'm like, well, I mean, sometimes that's what exactly what Bob's wanting to do. But yeah, I, that that the voice is really warm, but it's just that it got no form. And then I mean, right by itself, that's great. And then yeah. he follows it up with it's just like a dead man's last pistol shot. You're like yeah, you're like, Good Lord, what <laughs> what what an amazing line. What an evocative description of of the sort of feeling that Bob carries himself with. It's just that's just, Of his
0: own voice. Yeah. Oh, and it's, so it's just occurred to me now actually that um you don't really hear him talk about his own voice very much uh, and what people think of it. But did you see that music cares speech that he gave? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Where he's, he's talking, he actually spends a bit of time talking about the critics talking about his voice, which I thought was fascinating when he was saying like, why doesn't, you know, why don't they say that about Tom Waits? Um, (laughs) Yeah. I've always wondered what, you know, what he actually thinks about his own voice as kind of, Acclaimed and reviled in equal measure as it is.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I, it, it's it's something we. Bob Dylan is such a, a, a sort of like private person. We know that. I mean, we don't know much about his life. Not that we should know. It's not any of our business. But he is just a generally a private person. And yet, you think about, he also has this incredible need to share things with people. I mean, he's been sharing things with with the public for fifty years. You know. I mean, it's like yeah. he, he's 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 determined to share his innermost thoughts in one way or the other with uh, the buying public for half a century. And so it's like he's this incredibly private person, and yet he's not in a lot of ways. And again, the That the line of the dead man's last pistol—it's got such a wonderful, just kind of like he's establishing with the audience. The audience knows exactly what he's trying to say, and you're like, yeah, that's why I like it because that is what it sounds like. It's exactly what I want it to sound like, (laughs) and that's why I'm here, Bob. That's why I'm buying this record and not, you know, Johnny Mathis. I'm here to hear this, you know, this kind of thing. So the verse goes on. He says, "Your mouth used to be so naked, your eyes used to be so blue." your hurts used to be so nameless yeah. and your tears used to be so few Thank which is you. wonderful That's that's
0: where the hurt is i think and specific i keep going on about the solo piano version but on that that is where the the nakedness and the the hurt comes through i think he's so ten so tender on those lines after being so brutal all the mm-hmm. way through it's just it's 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 gorgeous.
1: Your tears used to be so few, you know, it's like a yeah. beautiful way of saying it. And then the, the, the version— no, Your hurts
0: sorry, your hurts used to be so nameless. Uh that always that always gets me, you know. That um they were so happy that they didn't have words for the things that upset them, you know?
1: Mm. Oh, I like that, yeah, I like that, I like that, yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, and then in the, the very the final lines is, now your mouth cries wolf while you are, and then the bootleg series version, the first version, that's where you hear something happens. I don't know whether yeah. somebody screws up, somebody drops something, but all of a sudden you hear Bob say something like, what? And then the song just yeah. boom, 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 and that's it. Yeah. And you're you're that's, like, that's... oh, we're so close.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Take 18 or whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> and they still, they still can't get it. Uh, but it's, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's Bob who messes that one up. Um, it's again on that descending chord um, bit that the band can't seem to get. And on this one, he screws up um, uh, the vocal line on it. He's too slow coming into it, so he can't fit that line in. And that, I think, is where it stumbles and, and falls down.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there are the other uh, songs, there were other versions of these, Blonde and Blonde songs released on the bootleg series and you hear on other songs that when he screws up he just keeps going because uh, they figure you can either redo it or you can do although he was kind of against this at the time punch-ins as they call it where you can literally yeah. just drop in you know in another line like there's a version of Stuck Inside of Mobile with the Memphis Blues again which I really love it's a much more up-tempo version and he messes up a line he screws it up mm-hmm. and you see he just kind of hums it he just goes like mm-hmm Till he can yeah. come around again till the next line and then he moves on and you figure okay they'll fix it later and of course they did and they went on to another version but yeah this this one just it just full on screeches to a halt and there it is and they just never quite got it and it, again it's just so amazingly frustrating and I mean this song I mean Blonde on Blonde's already a long record obviously it's a double record uh, but I mean this would have fit in there I mean I know thematically uh, there's other songs that cover this but I mean I get this this angle of the just the language he uses is so great that I am I really am sorry that this just never got finished because this really would have been a great addition to that record.
0: Yeah, again I think it's that he must have been striving for something with this this one. Because you're right, they could have um they could fade it at the end of the verse that um they didn't screw up. They could fade it mid-verse on, on the tape that was released on the original bootleg series. They could have done um, any number of things. They could have spliced a couple of takes together if they kept going, like they did with um, Hurricane, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously he wanted to get it beginning to end, and he he, he just never did. And I think just, you know, they went off to Nashville. There was a new crew of musicians. That's where they actually reconvened to record Blonde on Blonde proper. And I think at that point, he just got, you know, more songs that he wanted to do, and this one just got left behind. And it is a shame, because it is a masterpiece, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's right. It's like, again, it's like... uh... How much uh, – this is dating the, the show a little bit. When we're uh, D- Dave and I are talking, uh, they just released Traveling Through, the box set. Yeah. And there's a little uh, – if you go to the Bob Dylan uh, channel on YouTube, there's a little promo video that they made. It's about seven minutes long. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, and it yeah. features some talking heads. There's Roseanne Cash talking about it. And there's this great comment from Darius Rucker from uh, Hootie and the Blowfish where he says something about – that he was a big you know, fan of Dylan's and he bought blonde on blonde and he loved it. And then he gets John Wesley Harding and he goes, Oh my God, this is so awesome in its own completely different way. And he said to himself something like, when is this guy stop being awesome? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I
0: loved it, That line. As yeah. Well. I
1: mean, it's like, I mean, I want to ask you, Dave, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm asking something that's a little personal, but like as a songwriter and as a musician have you ever worked on something that you really liked, but you just couldn't get it? And you eventually oh, yeah. just said, all right, to hell, I'm moving on.
0: Uh, yeah. The thing that instantly brings, uh, springs to mind is uh, it's uh, 10 years this month that the first album I did with uh, Dave Woodcock and the Dead Comedians, an album called Omaha High Low. And there was a song on that that we worked on for a long time that eventually became a song on the next album, um, the same music and i I changed the words and i've recently just found in in the archives for the 10th anniversary that original version of this song called unpaid bill and thought oh you know i'll I'll give that a listen for you know uh, just to see what it's like and i thought it was great and at the time i just thought we hadn't got it and then i'm sitting there listening to it 10 years later going oh we had it
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was there what was i thinking (laughs) Oh, that's gotta be sort of retroactively frustrating a little like what's wrong with me from the past? What's the matter? What's going on? Gee <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's sort of funny the creative process and that you think about that uh, you know, like people that have heard your song, you're talking Unpaid Bill you said was the name of it?
0: Uh yeah, that one never came out. It became uh the song Barroom Lights oh, okay. on the next okay. on the next album. But, so yeah, like um, people
1: are people are hearing that song, right? And they don't have the context that you have, of course. They only know what they're hearing. And they don't have this version in your head that you're, you know, there's a version that you hear in your head that you're not getting to and you're really frustrated with it. But those people, you know, the listener doesn't have that. And um, many, many years ago, many, many, God, 20, 30 years ago at this point, I was driving in a car with my pal Sean and we were, um, uh, Mr. Jones was on the, was a big hit at the time, the Counting Crows song. And of course that features a line, I want to be Bob Dylan. And my my buddy Sean said – kind of was joking like, oh, you know, you – saying about me, I wish I could be Bob Dylan. And I said, no, I, I would not want to be Bob Dylan. And he's like, why not? I said, well, then I would never be able to enjoy any of the music. Yeah. Uh, because Bob Good obviously yeah. Bob hears something in his head that he only occasionally gets to in his yeah. mind, and, and I mean, this is a guy who goes around saying that blood on the tracks is not as great as he wanted it to be. For the love of God, you know, what I mean, and it's like <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, no one else stands a chance. So. Yeah, I would never want to deny myself the love of I have of this music, and there's one guy on the planet that can't love it, and that's Bob. So, yeah, yeah thanks for everything, Bob. But I don't want to be him because I want to be able to enjoy this stuff. I, I you know. He oh,
0: records he records blind Willie McTell and thinks yeah, yeah. that's not good enough. <laughs>
1: like it's insane, you know. I mean, so to have a song of this quality, to have something as fun as this, featuring some really iconic lines, uh, and then to just leave it behind is just got to be, you know, sort of some sort of weird torture in some way to to know you're getting so close and you didn't quite get it, and you gotta just move on to the next thing and then basically yeah. just forgotten about and uh you know i I have to wonder when they were compiling the first bootleg series when they were how they were picking stuff. I mean why they chose this version as opposed to this say maybe the solo piano one, which which you say is you like so much more. I wonder why they picked out you know this one over that one um it, it does feel weird to have like an incomplete song, uh, obviously, they had multiple versions of it, but I mean, imagine digging through the vaults and hearing this and going, "Oh my God, I can't believe this has just been sitting collecting dust for thirty years. That's insane,
0: yeah, yeah. And it and it goes on. I mean, even up to um, traveling through, which um, yeah, which as, as we speak, I, I don't have yet, but I've I've heard some uh, some stuff from it. But you know, with each one of these bootleg series that comes out, it's just like, how much more could there possibly be? Yeah. Just when you think you've heard everything, <laughs> you've got you know the fucking John Wesley Harding outtakes.
1: Yep, uh, it's
0: it's, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's endless.
1: I I don't – I never want to act like I'm complaining about what we're being given because we're being given so much. I mean we're getting bootleg series now every year at this point when they used to be every three years. They're like Star Wars films. There's just so much of it now. (laughs) But uh, but I have to say every time they do a bootleg series, I'm like, please give us the street legal sessions. Can I just put that out there? Somebody put together the street legal. I know that a lot – there's a lot of technical stuff that there's a reason why some of this stuff is is hard to get because it was uh, recorded in a – certain way and there's some mess ups there but i really need to hear the bootleg stuff for the street legal session I really, yeah
0: and really i think need to i think through. those I'd, I'd love them i kind of holy grail as well and i think it's 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 you know over the years it's been a bit apocryphal as to whether those solo piano um demos actually exist but i spoke with um clinton halen um maybe a year and a half ago uh, and I asked him outright you know you know ha, do they exist and have you heard them and he said yes
1: wow uh,
0: they they exist and um, you know fingers crossed they'll be released at some point
1: all but, yeah I, I'd love
0: to hear that yeah
1: yeah uh, and no, let me agree we're going as we're wrapping up the show this is completely off topic although it is a bit it's, other than a bit bob dylan it's a total off topic i'm just curious what your your view of this of Dave of this is dave on the new traveling through site i know you haven't heard it but there is um, – they they throw on the three songs that Bob did on the Johnny Cash show yeah. Uh, at the time. So it's just a recording, you know, nice cleaned up recordings of like Live in the Blues and Girl from the North Country and I forget what the other song is that they do. But I would – I know that all this stuff has been – is out there, but I would actually buy a bootleg series of just all of his TV performances. If they could just round all that up, wouldn't that, would that be something – th- would you buy something like that?
0: um i there are some um a uh, grey area of official in quotation marks releases of all that stuff uh, i think i've got a couple of records and where that are you know the john hammond tv special and the quest show from yeah. 64 uh, that stuff's been compiled but not officially right officially right released. I, w- I, w- yeah. I would
1: buy it all in one place like if they were like okay yeah. the john hammond tv special as you said, the quest thing, the Johnny Cash show, the Oscar performance—you know when he was on the Oscars—all yeah, yes. of his Grammy performances. Like, I mean, yeah, you can get that stuff, but it's on bootlegs or on YouTube. I'd love it if they just did that. Like,
0: you know what? I'd rather have a, a Blu-ray of the uh, of the videos. You know, the cleaned up. Oh,
1: that would be great uh, too, videos yeah. rather
0: rather than just the audio, because the I've had you know copies of on bootleg. Uh, VHS and DVD, you know, the Johnny Cash show. But they've been putting those performances out on, uh, on the official Dylan um, YouTube or whatever it is. And it's great to see him in, in um, you know, in in good quality. Yeah. So I'd yeah. like that. The um, the the Nara ninety four hard rain's gonna fall with the full orchestra. Yeah,
1: so that's the, great. Oh, yeah. That's, oh that's, god, there's so much more. <laughs> so much more. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Just insane. So yeah, well said. So this this is uh, she's your lover now. It's a great song. If you like it, there's many versions for you to pick from uh, over on Apple Music and other places. There's just so many versions. It said we'll be playing clips from the solo piano version that Dave talks about and the, the version, the first version that I heard from the bootleg series. So that's going to do it for the song. So Dave, thank you so much for coming back. I always enjoy talking to you. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Um, sure. So you can get,
0: uh, you can stream my, uh, all my albums at com. You can also buy them there or just, you know, iTunes if that exists anymore. Um, <laughs> Spotify, all the usual places were on there. You could just search Dave Woodcock and the Dead Comedians.
1: Outstanding. Thank you so much. And I'll be
0: put, I'll be putting soon that unreleased, unpaid bill online for the tenth anniversary of Omaha Hilo.
1: Very cool. Check all right. That out. <laughs> I'll listen to it. and go, Dave, this was fine. What are you talking about? Why were you, why were you dissatisfied? <laughs> this song? Great. So again, thank you so much for coming back on. Thanks everybody for listening. Of course, if you want to leave a comment, go to the website fireandwaterpodcast.com. We are always talking Bob over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And of course, if you want to support the Fire and Water Podcast Network, of which Pod Dylan is a part, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast, and there you can unlock various rewards. One of which is to be name checked on the favorite Fire and Water Podcast show of your choice. So I have to be, give a big shout out to robert ward and another uh, a uh, supporter who chooses to remain masked and anonymous but you know who you <laughs> are thank you so much thanks everybody for listening and uh, we will see you later bye
2: And you, I see you're still with her. Well, that's fine. But she's coming on so strange. Can't you tell? Take off her iron chain. I think you better explain. i do it, but I just can't remember. already assumed that we're in the felony room, but I ain't the judge, you don't have to be nice to me, will you please tell that to your friend with the cowboy head, he keeps on saying everything.